2: You're listening to Wood Talk Online, a podcast for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are your hosts, Mark Spagnolo and Matt Vanderlist. Take it away, boys.
1: Welcome to Wood Talk Online episode 61 for October 27th, 2009. I'm Mark Spagnolo and I'm Matt Vanderlist and if you have any comments, questions,
2: about anything that you're going to hear today, maybe something you've heard in the past. You know, you, you've heard me say this before. Basically, if you have something you want to tell us or ask us, there's a couple of different ways that you can get a hold of us. One, you can get a hold of us by good old fashioned email, which is now the new snail mail. And you can get a hold of us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message and have your own voice heard here on the show. We don't uh, alter it, nothing. Well, unless you tell us to because you're in a witness protection program. <laughs> All right. In that case, we might do something with it. But regardless of that, you can call us on our phone line, which is 623 242 2450. Ooh, that was a mouthful, especially with a stuffy nose. So, hey, what's going on, man? (laughs)
1: Uh, Not much. We're going to pause right here. I'm going to have to edit this. I'm seeing people talk in the chat room that they can't hear anything. So let's not go any further until we fix this. So, okay, well, let's jump right into it. Um, What's on the bench? And what's on my bench is a big, fat tool chest, a big, fat wall-hanging tool chest made of Baltic birch that I made for uh, for a guild project, and released the first part already, and part two will be out in uh, probably a week or so. And it came out really nice. I was pleasantly surprised. It's just all Baltic birch plywood. Wow,
2: that's really, it is kind of pleasantly surprising to have it turn out the right way, because uh, uh, when you were starting to put this whole thing together, I know you are kind of like trying to figure out which, which design you're going to go, and not necessarily mm-hmm. the design, how you were going to place things in there, because I think that's that from what i'm I'm seeing with what you're talking about what mm-hmm. other people have talked about and what I've looked at myself, I think that's like ninety five percent of the issue of designing one,
1: yeah, it definitely is, and it and it's gonna vary depending on what your tool collection is and um you know the type of things you want to store in there. and I was just thinking recently, uh, someday I may want to get either more planes or maybe replace the ones I have, sell them, and get some um uh what do you call it bevel ups and just kind of you know change things around well they may not be the same dimension bodies and if i'm going to put these things in specific little places i can't really use you know glue necessarily to lock everything down because i don't want to have to destroy this thing if i want to rearrange things a little bit so, you know, you have to build it so that it grows with you. And you definitely don't want to build it to perfect capacity for everything that you have now because we're woodworkers and we just kind of buy more tools just because. So, right. You know, you <laughs> Because have to,
2: manufacturers keep making them or because we happen to run across one and go, oh my God, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So you really need to future proof yourself when you're building something like a, a big tool cabinet like that. But I was uh, pretty pleased with the way it came out. I haven't applied a finish or anything yet, but all the tools that I want to store in there are there. And it's, Sitting on the uh, workbench waiting to be hung on the wall um, because I don't think I'm going to be able to do it by myself because this thing is heavy. It is <laughs> seriously heavy. <laughs> the top and bottom are two uh, laminated sheets of Baltic birch, three-quarter inch Baltic birch. So put those together with the weight of, you know, it's, it's a pretty heavy piece. I can lift it but uh, my back has been hurting lately so why, why risk re-injuring myself even worse
2: exactly yeah no i i know what you mean with that because if you think about it i mean essentially you're using that piece of baltic birch plywood it was heavy enough as a sheet now imagine adding all those tools to it yeah yeah <laughs> And it's. You know, i mean that stuff is tripled. dense
1: yeah very dense and uh yeah so anyway and i will not be sending my tools to anyone in the chat room just so you know <laughs> so God, matt that's right, come to me what has been going on with you well uh, I've gotten a little
2: sidetracked recently um, with, with some personal things going on, but more importantly, everybody remembers I, I, I got a brand new bandsaw in, and I've been doing quite a bit with it. In fact, uh, one of the projects I'm working on right now, I pretty much am 95%, if possible, using nothing but the bandsaw as my, my main source wow. of cutting anything. And I, I'm getting some really great results, but I've, I'm learning quite a bit about it has everything to do with feed rate. because. Hmm. At one point, I'm like, watch this, and I zipped it right through. I'm like, that blade is so sharp, and it just <laughs> – it, it cut great. But then when I went back and I checked my dimensions, it started out like, okay, it was an, an inch and a quarter at the front, which is where I wanted it. And then by the end, because I was ripping it through so fast, it had suddenly expanded out to like two inches. Yeah, <laughs> so,
1: yeah. It can very easily go off course. Um, right. That, that's a pain so, in the butt with those things.
2: Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. I'm mean, like, oh, did I dial it in? No, I did dial it in, Right. So, yeah, it all came down to feed rate. But the one thing I just put on finally, I received this a while ago and I finally had to order the blade for it, is I added one of those riser blocks. Okay. You know, so I took my 14 inch uh, with, it had like about a seven inch capacity. Now I, I took it up to, oh, no, it was about six and a half inch. Now I've taken it up to the point where I think I've got about, wait, about uh, 12 inches, I think, capacity, something like that on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm a little nervous to use it because I've never had one that tall. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Looking at that thing and I'm like, wow, this is that's a lot of material you could you could cut there. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it because the project I am working on right now, I need to make uh, some some drawer sides for it. And mm-hmm. I, I bought some uh, like a six quarter material. And so I'm going to go ahead and use that to resaw. And then that way I can compensate for any any bowing and everything for when I make the cut and you know, sure. go from there. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that's my big plan this weekend is I'm finally getting up the nerves to step up to it wow. and uh, go ahead and do it. But the one thing I, I, I did learn is um you know, number, number one, it's really, really tall. And number two, <laughs> yeah. when the instructions say to have somebody help you put everything back in
1: place. <laughs> they're not kidding.
2: They're, yeah, there's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was filming part of it just kind of like, a, hey, this is how you would do something like this. And then I decided – um, I had to stop filming and actually wait for somebody to come home to uh, help me with it because at one point I kind of
1: got stuck in the up position. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice. I was a little too afraid to let go. So,
1: <laughs> you know the, the the thing with the riser block is I've had them on. Um, I've only owned two different 14 uh, inch bandsaws and both of them I put the riser block on, and I don't think I have yet to actually put something on that table that required the amount of space that the riser block gave me. I don't, right. Maybe it's just the stuff that I use, but the riser block just creates more, you know, more space that I actually don't really need with the type of work that I do. So I guess it's it's like a better safe than sorry thing, but uh, right. you know, for the amount of work it takes to put it in and the amount that you actually use it, I guess depending on your shop, you know, sometimes it might not even be worth the effort. Right. You know, and that was one thing. that was funny because I I,
2: I finally flattened one side of the material, and so I I, I have it up against the fence. And I was just kind of like doing a dry run today, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because I'm like mm, you know, like making the noises so that I can psych myself out for when it starts going. And that was the one thing I was thinking is as I was starting to uh, imagine how it's going to cut, I'm like, you know, to be honest with you, if I had just simply taken this because the, the the board I'm working with is about nine, nine and a half inches wide. Okay. And I was thinking when I'm standing up there, I'm like, well, if I just simply rip this in half and then took those two smaller halves and just resawed those, I could make the same piece. I just have to glue it up. And so there was that part of me that's like, I really didn't need to install that riser block the more I think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know,
1: it's just I could have saved myself that time, run to the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, and there's plenty of ways around it. And then the other thing is you, you figure, unless you've got like just a super powerful motor on that thing, when you do put something that is that width through that saw, it's going to have I mean it's going to have some trouble sawing through that that wide of a board.
2: That was the other thing I was concerned about. I'm like, okay, number one, I put a really, really nice sharp blade on it. And so I'm hoping that that will definitely help out. But that was my main concern because I'm like, I've never done something like this. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking. All right, super slow feed rate <sighs> so that it doesn't have to stress itself out. You know, right. I only have seven of these that I have to cut. So I figure in an eight-hour period, I should almost be done with those. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, I'll tell you, dude, a bandsaw is one of the coolest tools in a shop, but it can also be one of the most frustrating if things aren't going right.
2: Oh, yeah. That's when I, when I ended up putting this riser block on and then I had to readjust everything. That was just a pure <laughs> nightmare because I was almost in a rush and I'm like, I should have done this earlier. And so I ended up spending more time trying to adjust things that yeah. if I would have just left it alone, I probably, I wouldn't have had to adjust them. But it's still, it's like one of those, okay, learning experience, never do that again. <laughs>
1: right. Well, cool, dude. All right. Well, moving on, we do have some news because right. the woodworking world does occasionally, things things actually do happen once in a while. And yeah, once in a great while, they move at a slow pace because they, they don't want to burn. <laughs> yeah, just not too often, but once in a while. Uh, so unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you probably have heard that the great Norm has retired, sort of. He's, he's got, It sounds like he's going to be doing this old house, but as far as the, the stuff that most of us really care about, the new Yankee workshop, uh, that is going to go away, unfortunately. What do you think about this, Matt?
2: You know, I, I'm still in a bit of a state of shock because... I can't imagine my Saturday afternoons not having Norm uh, on PBS. Around here, it's Saturday nights at six o'clock, and that's like one of those I'm starting to wind down from the, from the, you know, whatever I've been doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm kicking back, trying to convince the family that no, they don't need me to be with them. Mm-hmm. It's my turn to be with Norm. That's Matt's time. That's yeah, exactly. You know, and it's if you want to join me, come on in here, <laughs> yeah, sit over there. You know, put your feet up. Don't talk. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's making it. I know it's really loud, but he's making a great cut. You know, I, I'm I'm really kind of torn about this. I'm one thing I am kind of glad to hear about is is the fact that they're they're not going to replace him, which yeah. I think that's kind of a neat thing. But I'm I am really torn about this because as much grief as he he gets for what he you know how he works with all the power tools and everything like that, I'm sorry, but I can't. I don't know very many woodworkers who haven't to some degree or another been inspired by by watching his shows
1: right yeah i would agree it's it's you know it's good for him i think the guy definitely deserves a break i mean what is it 21 years running that's an incredible run for (laughs) any show let alone a woodworking show you know um but i really do think it is in a way it is the end of an era i think um you know what we saw happen with woodworks with david marks is you know pretty typical of what would happen with any show that were to come out now for TV. It might right. have a little bit of success for a while, but eventually it would not be profitable enough to continue doing based on the way that the the current situation is in broadcast media. So right. you know, I think uh, I think Norm was able to stay in there because he had the momentum. I mean, this guy's uh, yeah. just been been doing his thing for how long now? Uh, we I think he just had the power to stay in there. Now, for a new show to come in with a new host to come in and actually try to replace them. I don't know that they're going to be able to to do that at this point. I don't even think it would be possible.
2: Right. Yeah. I I, I really don't cuz I mean it it's if anything the person is always going to be compared to who Norm is and and what the show was. There there's yeah. I mean every every other show that I can think of is always they come back and compare it to Norm. You know, it's so having somebody try to fill those shoes, those are some really huge shoes. <laughs> yeah, uh, <flannel>. very
1: huge, <laughs> hairy, and uh, flannel-covered shoes. That's but, right. I mean, but even if someone did, you know, I mean, the bottom line, yeah, they'll be compared, but they can't go in there and say this is you know, the new something workshop. I mean, they're going to have to come up with a whole different concept of something completely different so that it can't be compared, you know, so that it's uh, apples and oranges and let it be its own thing. But uh, right. all in all, I don't even think that there's room for that. I don't think there's any funding for that. And in, I'm going to put up a link in the the show notes to this, but on the Woodworking Magazine blog, they had a little interview with uh, Russ, is it Marash? Is that how you pronounce his name? That's how I pronounce, pronounced it. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's right, but, but that's that, how I pronounced it. There. But you you pronounced pronounce pretty weird. But uh... Yes, I
2: did pronounce, pronounce <laughs> pretty pronounced, good.
1: But anyway, he, he answered a few questions that were on people's minds, like you said, about whether or not they were going to replace him. And um, he had some interesting comments uh, concerning the industry. He said, uh, well, they asked him, with the loss of new woodworking program like the new Yankee Workshop, many bloggers and woodworking writers are wondering why my phone is ringing you know, I
2: wondered that too when um some of the bloggers were saying that.
1: <laughs> okay. I just hung up on that person. Okay. So they said with the loss of the, the programming like New Yankee Workshop, many bloggers and woodworking writers are wondering if the craft itself is on a decline or if TV woodworking shows are no longer viable. And Russ says, My my own view is that broadcast is dead. Mm-hmm. That that's my personal take on it. Newspapers are dead and print is dying. The only hope is the internet, du, du, du. and it's my hope that you'll see lots of norm on the internet in the future. So that that's kind of cool because it sounds like they might be doing something with the website uh, right. to, to keep it relevant and, and and current.
2: Right. Absolutely. You know, and it was kind of funny because when I read that, one of the things, of course, I thought, "A boss." How can you? <laughs> at, yeah. Exactly. I always like to look at the way that we fit into the big picture. <laughs> right. We, but, you know, ever, we
1: go ahead sorry
2: oh when we were in Vegas one thing um when we had we had a chance of course uh, Norm was at the AWFS show right and I was one of the, the many that stood in line and was like I, I love you. You know, and then they brought over the security guards and had me stand further away from him. <laughs> Sir, please stand away. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, uh, further than arm's reach or the ability for a nail gun to get in this direction. Right. Uh, but uh, one of the things he he had asked, you know, when we introduced myself and said who I was and you know uh, everything else, he he had mentioned the fact that he was asking about what the audience was like, even with a downturn in the economy. And he had pointed out the fact that their website was still staying busy, as busy or busier than they had ever anticipated. So th- there was a part of me at that point was like deep in the recesses of my echoey brain was kind of like I wonder if they're going to do something with that because it only makes sense if they're noticing it too. They obviously yeah. they were aware of this. So
1: Well the trouble is for these guys it's it comes down to you know numbers are great but internet numbers are definitely not valued in the way that you know regular broad- broadcast numbers are. So you know even if they're getting a lot of uh, traffic on their website That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to monetize it and make it worth their time and effort. So, um, you know, but if anybody can do it, you would think that they would be able to. But you know, that that remains to be seen. So, who knows? We'll see. And um, I don't know. It's exciting, but I really do think it is the end of an era. And you know, fortunately for the last uh, three or four years, we've been sort of creating. Uh, what I what I would like to think is the new era uh, of woodworking um, education and entertainment. So let's hope we're wood, already
2: woodtainment is what I'm going to start calling wood, it. Woodtainment,
1: woodtainment, and uh, wood, ho- hopefully that that motor is already going and we have it in the works. Because um, I don't know, look around. It, there's a lot of people out there who are who are watching this stuff and enjoying it. So
2: that's right. It's on demand. It's available 24 hours, seven days a week. So enjoy, people.
1: Weird. But, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. didn't mean no, to confuse was, you with my word.
2: Yeah, I was like, what, what word? <laughs> well, actually, the word going on right now is I don't know how many have seen this, but apparently over uh, our friends over at Popular Woodworking have decided that they are going to have an, uh, a, a little thing going on in honor of Norm. In fact, they're saying in honor of Norm Abram, we're asking all his fans to dress like the man. Take a photo of yourself in costume, and then you're going to send it to, to over to Chris Schwartz at Popular Woodworking. Of course, we'll have a link for this in the show notes mm-hmm. by Monday, November 2nd. Because, of course, as we're recording this, Halloween is only a few days away. People keep asking me to take my costume off. I can't, people. This is the real me. <laughs> but anyways, the person who sends in the best photo, which will be determined, of course, by the staff, will win a great prize. So this is International Dress Like Norm Day. And I... It, it was funny because I was thinking, like, I really do need a costume for a party we're going to this weekend, and this might be my opportunity. That could be perfect,
1: soccer. man. That would be yeah. awesome. I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to take the the, the, the goatee is starting to get a little bit longer, and so I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull it up and I'm going to glue it to the sides so I don't want <laughs> to grow off the sides. It's just going to spread it right there a little bit and pull it up and just glue it in place. There
1: you go. Nice. I wonder how many people are actually going to do this. I mean, it, it's funny. It's very cool, but um, what do you think Norm thinks about something like this? <laughs> You think there's he's flattered funny. by it, or you think he's just like, what the hell?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a part of me that it's like one of those. Uh, he was so soft-spoken that it's almost like, um, yeah, I'm not going to go there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So either way, you know what? You want to dress like Norm? You've always wanted to dress like Norm. Now's your chance, and you could win right. a prize. Uh, it sounds like they they've got something cooking up over there. I'm not really sure, but if you're a fan of the New Yankee Workshop, it sounds like you're going to be pretty happy with what they have to offer. So uh, definitely check the show notes for details on that.
2: Right. I'm just kind of curious how many people are going like, to get entered without even knowing it because they already dress like Norm. They
1: just look like Norm. Well, you know what? A lot of woodworkers do dress like that, so it's quite possible.
2: <laughs> yeah. i mean, you know, I got to pull my flannels out because they were hidden on me.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Let's move on to our uh, magazine roundup. We did this one other time before, and this is uh, where, where Matt and I just kind of well, we've, last time we looked at all the magazines and I think the problem is that's a little bit difficult for us to do since we don't both actually subscribe to all the magazines. So right. what I think we you know decided to change it to is to pick one, one real big thing that we found that we want to bring your attention to. So either an article or a particular issue of something that you guys should definitely check out. Um, so what did you find, Matt, that you thought was uh, worthwhile to talk about?
2: Okay, the big article that I found out of all the magazines that really caught my eye was in the let's see here this is the um must be the the october issue of woodworkers journal because it says keep it on display till november 5th so i'm sure the new one's just about to come out but they had a great article in there green finishing is one of those things that uh, so many people are really big into this and for so many reasons obviously for health and for if you're environmentally um you know really into the environment and everything this is the direction we want to go. I know yourself, you're using quite a bit of water-based finishes, if I remember right. I mean, a lot of the things you're going for, because number one, they don't stink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then they're a lot easier to clean up. But one thing, uh, this uh, Michael Dresner uh, put in a really great article. In fact, it's called Green Finishing, How Green Is Your Finish? And he did a a wonderful job of going through and number one, kind of breaking down the idea of what makes a green finish. And I, I like this. He kind of talks about the fact that There's two very different concepts of what green finish is. He says one is green finishes are either those finishes uh, where the finishing material is deemed to be either personally or environmentally greener. Mm -hmm. And then there's green finishing, which deals uh, not with the finishes, but with the finishing process itself. So you can kind of look at it two different ways. Okay, And um, really, the the main thing he tried to do is then kind of break it down and say, like, all right, no let's say uh for the definition for all intents and purposes a green finish is really the simple definition is that it is it has a more benign chemical profile than what you consider a traditional finish uh to be designated as Mm -hmm. so for example obviously water-based finishes versus more of a traditional oil-based finish you know there there's two different ways and then as he goes through this, he does this great job of kind of explaining about what VOCs and HAPs are. So, in case uh, you, you're not familiar with that, let's mm-hmm. see here. What is it? Uh, VOCs are uh, volatile organic uh, was it compounds? Is that mm-hmm. right? No? That's what yep. I
1: usually say, whether it's right yeah. or wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And then, uh, yeah, that's an organic compound. That's a volatile organic compound. And then uh, HAP HAPs are hazardous air pollutants. Okay. And it kind of goes there. But the, the one thing I like about this is. He breaks down all the different types of finishes and goes from essentially like the greenest, the ones that are all natural to what are more like the um, ones that really when it comes down to it, most hobbyists wouldn't use because a lot of times they won't sell it to a hobbyist. It can be used uh, professionally. right? And so it's kind of neat because he really does a fantastic job of going through and breaking these down and talking about even like the pros and cons of using a water based finish versus using like a traditional oil based finish. Hmm, okay. And so uh, by the time I got done reading it, I, I read it a couple of times because I'm like, it seems too simple. You know, I, somehow I caught onto this too fast, so I must be missing something. <laughs> so I read it a couple of times, and sure enough, it, 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 he makes some really great sense on it and even kind of goes into a couple things about look, if a traditional finish is more your thing, here's a couple of different ways to use them so that. You're not wasting them. They're not as much of it as getting out into the environment. So in that aspect, you can be more green about it.
1: And still use the, the stuff that you really want to use. Exactly.
2: You know, he talks about spraying versus um, putting it on with a brush and how with a brush, you know, almost 100% of the chemical is going to get or the the, the, the finish is going to get on the material where if you spray it like me, it's like all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Too much airborne so, stuff. So yeah, exactly. You're like, you know, by the time you get done, the whole garage is lacquered and right, right. <laughs> only like 25% is on the project itself. Right. Um, so I, I think that it was, it was a really neat article as, as I read through it. And it, it's cool. several pages long. But like I said, he does a great job of defining everything and looks, breaking it down from the most greenest, which he says like milk paint, uh, shellac, any of the uh, nut oils, any type of you know natural oil like that, mm-hmm. and then goes all the way to the least green, which would be like your lacquers. Gotcha. No.
1: Well you know if you're looking for an alternative to like the standard um, Flexner finishing book and uh, the uh, Jeff Jewett, his finishing book uh, under the Taunton name, a good alternative to that if you're looking for something new in a sort of different perspective is Dresner's books. Um, okay. he, he has a couple really good finishing books out there and he just writes in a little bit of a different style and a little, little I think a little more personality uh, to his writing in there so it's a, definitely a good alternative. I like the way the guy writes. Um, but you know, I was gonna say, you know what else going green is is good for um salads besides that uh waste oh. wasting our money um, uh he he does mention in <laughs> here that yes, going green um
2: yeah, it could cost you a few green you know green
1: <laughs> yeah, going green is definitely in all aspects if you're trying to do it in all aspects of your life is a uh, a hobby of people with lots of money, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, we just got a recycle bill the other day and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I give them, they
1: want me to pay how much? <laughs> That's right. I got my Kermit the Frog shirt that says that it's not easy being green. That's right. <laughs> okay, so what I picked out and I, I kinda I didn't really pick out a specific article and I mentioned this in the last show. I picked out Fine Woodworkings, How to Design Furniture from Classic to Contemporary It's one of those magazine book-ish type things. It really should be a book, but they publish it as a magazine, so it's on the newsstand. This thing is awesome. With all the the talk and focus on design and aesthetics and just design rules, this is very, very helpful to have. Um, Let me get to some stuff here. Where's the title? Some of the things that they cover in here, They say, know the past, moldings, define the 18th century, elements of the shaker style, quintessential arts and crafts, true green and green, and then they have tips for, you know, making you a better designer, nine tips uh, for would-be designers. Um, They do a test case with a chest of drawers. One idea, three different tables. They talk about Malouf and Krenov and how to photograph your work, a quick course in SketchUp. I mean, there's just so much in this little magazine that I definitely recommend checking this out. Look at this. So the four questions it says under Design 101, asking yourself about the piece that you're going to create: Does it work? Is it comfortable? Will it last? Is it attractive? All things that you should be asking yourself before you jump in and start building this thing. So you know this isn't going to be a design course, but it certainly is going to give you some some more background and a little bit of food for thought as you go into designing your own pieces. So definitely a uh, a worthwhile thing to pick up.
2: Yeah, I I have mine actually sitting next to the toilet, and that's where I, you know, do (laughs) my best thinking. And so I'm like, I'm gonna do some great designing in here.
1: (laughs) Did you pick that one up? It's, uh, it's pretty good, isn't it? It is. I I remember you had mentioned that
2: before that you were you were uh, gonna uh, peruse through that, and I'm like, I'm gonna grab it too, and I I got it. I I really liked it. There's quite a bit I have in there that I've got a lot of dog ears. I'm like, I'm coming back to this one. This
1: one. You know what? I'm gonna cheat here. I'm gonna mention one more thing because to me this is very important. Is that uh, in the latest? popular woodworking November 2009 issue Uh, in addition to Megan being on the cover with her fancy little workbench I have my to build or buy article and I managed to sneak a picture of my wife into the magazine (laughs) I was wondering if that was her in the background (laughs) no that was just some woman (laughs) posing Um, Yeah, I was like, you know what, my idea for the cover picture on this, I'm like, I got this idea, I don't know if they're going to take it, you know, because this was actually the first time I think my face ever showed up in the column, and, uh, you know, because that doesn't really sell magazines, so I figured if I had Nicole there, maybe it'll kind of counteract my Jersey Guido-ness. Ed. Wait a minute! You you were in that picture also because I never <laughs> never saw you. I, I blended into the table. I was wearing oh. the same color shirt as the table, so um, not that the shirt was or the table was wearing a shirt, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So Nicole was in the picture, and I'm like, oh, I was teasing her and stuff because she got in the magazine for doing nothing, but. Um, she she was all excited about it so if you didn't check that out it's actually a fun little article about uh, giving you a strategy and it's basically like one of those glamour magazine quizzes or Cosmo or whatever crap magazine people read uh, with those quizzes about I don't know usually it's about relationships and things like that this this is about should you build a piece of furniture or buy it Uh, and you just take this little quiz and it's you know it's really all for fun it's not meant to be scientific but uh, check it out if you get a chance
2: yeah, my wife took that quiz, and apparently everything I am building, we should have just bought.
1: Oh, <laughs> so now you're just going to sell your tools because clearly yeah, yeah. nothing is worth building.
2: Right. My job is just to go down and readjust them over and over and over.
1: <laughs> just keep them clean, wax them up.
2: That's oh. right. I'm not allowed to buy large quantities of wood. I just keep reusing the same one over
1: and <laughs> over again, and eventually you just wind up with this like small toothpick-sized project. Cause you keep whittling it down to a smaller and <laughs> smaller
2: piece. <laughs> exactly it. <laughs> okay,
1: you know, let's uh, let's jump around the web and see what's what's shaking out there on the intertubes. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was a couple iPhone apps that I recommend you guys check out if you have an iPhone. If you don't, I apologize ahead of time, but you should because it's awesome. There are uh, two really good woodworking related apps uh, that I found. And one of them is ID Wood, just like it sounds, ID Wood. Check it out. It actually is like kind of like a wood book, a book on different types of wood species, and you can sort of search the book. You know, it's not necessarily completely interactive in any way, but you get pictures, you get some of the the vital statistics on the woods and it's just kind of a handy reference to have in your pocket. Sweet. Um so the other one is called Board Feet. And I think you can imagine what that does. It's actually a board foot calculator. Which oh, I
2: thought it was for feet that are just really, really tired because <laughs> my dogs are killing me lately.
1: Uh, it's feet that have been listening to our show too long.
2: Yeah, definitely. I yeah. noticed that in the chat room too. I think a bunch of people just left.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's called Board Feet. So those are two good apps. There's a lot of other like handyman apps and DIY apps and things like that, but these two specifically are for woodworkers. So it's definitely something I would recommend checking out.
2: Sweet. Well, you know, when I was out perusing the the internets, I came across. Um, we saw this in Vegas. I know I had, I had posted a video or so about this, and it's been in magazines and everything. But if you have not seen Splinter the car, um, Joe Harmon's design. Uh, Joe Harmon is the guy that's building it. They put together a, a really neat website, which pretty much documents uh, everything they did for the, to build the car, and it's really neat because the the the, 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 the skin itself <laughs> I was so overwhelmed with how amazing this website is. Yeah. Um, but uh, the skin itself, it, it's it, it's just veneer, but what they ended up doing is they they made um, they made a loom in which they you know, ripped these tiny sheets of veneer and made this veneer more like a cloth than a traditional veneer. And they were explaining at one point how it was to help make the, bend it over all the different curves so you could have a compound curve without worrying about splintering That's the... That's uh, how
1: they the, did that. I mean, when yeah, I was I, looking at that pattern up close, I'm like, you know what? Some things when you look at it, like I think, I think I've think i learned a lot over the last few years and studied a lot. And I look at that and I'm like, what in the world is it? And how did they do it? Like, I have no I idea. Thing.
2: Yeah, and it's, it was really neat because they showed that at one point they show... Is um, they're ripping the, the pieces into like these – I forget how wide the, the material is. It's almost like one-eighth of an inch wide or something. I mean it's really, really minute. Wow. And they have it hooked up to a winch with this poor girl who I think she's called the winch girl. <laughs> <laughs> and her job is to pull the material at a specific rate as they have multiple blades uh, ripping these things to the, these these really narrow sheets. And then you take it into another uh, room where they've got this guy and this girl that were working that particular day, so they're filming it, and they have a loom which looks just like any type of textile loom, and they're making the, the veneer itself that using the this loom system. It was wow. really it was, it was just amazing as you're watching this, you're like I had the same reaction. I'm like, oh,
1: that's how they did it.
2: Jeez. I was trying to know what, you know veneer it was, because I think it's cherry or something, is what they used.
1: Yeah, that is wild.
2: Yeah, so it's it's really neat. He shows the forms. You know, and goes through like the whole process, and you get to watch quite a bit of the whole making of Splinter the Car. So, cool. if you're interested at all, we'll have the, the links in the show note for it. It's really neat. There's just a whole bunch of videos, and I think they're all up on YouTube also. So you can just kind of do a quick search that way too.
1: Awesome, very cool. Yep. Okay. Then- um, I'll jump to the the holiday project thing. Um, I actually got an email from Eagle America today, letting me know that they have these really awesome kits available. So anybody who is sort of uh, just looking for a holiday project, they have these template and router bit kits where you get a chunk of wood, basically plop this thing down there and you hollow it out and they have like snowmen and just all, all types of little holiday type creation things and uh, incre- apparently they're incredibly popular. They're really easy to use so I'm going to put the link in the show notes for that. You guys may want to check that out if you're trying to stock up on some stuff for the holidays.
2: Sweet. Yeah, that was one thing I was looking through for, for some projects for the, for the holidays because... You know, I get to that point now where it's like, I would like to show people that I actually do something with my tools. My family <laughs> thinks I just collect them. This yeah. would be a neat way to do it. <laughs>
1: totally, totally.
2: Well, you know, another one, as I was out perusing the internet, I found this uh, um, this, this neat uh, blog. And, and a lot of these things I end up finding through a uh, kind of a, a search engine blog, I guess you could kind of call it, which is called Dudecraft. Mm-hmm. And um, he had one up, and this was a while ago. It, it, the blog is called Axehead Blog, and this guy makes – um a, a skateboards is the example he was given. He uses fallen limbs and timber from around his neighborhood. Oh, cool. And pretty much he uses nothing but like an axe and maybe an ads or something to shape them and give them their, their final texture. And these are really, really neat. In fact, quite a bit of the pictures he has in there are the original limb itself. So you see this – really nasty limb that who knows where it came from who knows what it hit on the way down
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you
2: know, that kind of a thing sure and then he turns it into this really awesome looking skateboard and again he kind of I, i'm trying to remember i think he has videos or for sure he has the step-by-step tutorials and it was just like one of those really really neat things where basic tool an axe and this guy is making some really cool stuff
1: wow awesome mad props to him
2: yeah, I definitely. If I if I was out there swinging my axe, the neighbors would be running. And
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you'd look dangerous with an axe, Matt. <laughs>
2: Especially with this new beard going on here. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is true. So, what is this? I, I saw you put the PBS thing for the Router Workshop. What's that all about?
2: Oh yeah, well, there was a um, somebody had sent this to me, and they had mentioned that uh, PBS, another one of their shows, the uh, the Router Workshop. Apparently, they have a website that's up and running, and there's what 183 videos in the video library itself. And this one, unfortunately, a, a lot of the shows that are out there, a lot of the things that we try to push everybody towards or, or recommend that they go visit uh, are, are free. We want to make sure that it's easy for everybody to get access to it, because if you're going to pay for something, we prefer you pay us to see whatever
1: <laughs> it is. <laughs> right.
2: But in this case, uh, uh router workshop, uh, I, I think it's some neat, some of the things they do. I've watched a few of their episodes. Um, not really my thing, but at the same time, though, it is kind of fun to watch. Uh, if you have watched these guys before and you're really into um, routers the way that these guys are. And uh, I think it's, it's $4 for each month and you get to uh, uh, view so many uh, videos. And I think there's a one-time setup fee of like $6 or something, mm-hmm. but essentially it's kind of like an unlimited access kind of a thing. So you get to watch all these things. I, I might be completely wrong on what the total access is. It's been a while since I, I checked it out, but um, yeah, if you're interested at all in the router workshop and you want to get Uninterrupted videos from them. This is a neat thing to check out.
1: Well, and the good thing is, if you if you have like a sleeping disorder, you have trouble sleeping. You look at the cost of your medicine every month to get you to sleep, and compare that to four dollars a month. For four bucks a month, you could be put to sleep too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah they need, there's <laughs> there's
2: one with a, a lathe shell, and that one would definitely. That yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't mean to to be mean about it, because you know I'm sure they're great they're great guys. But the router workshop is one of the most boring things I've ever sat through. And, yeah, um, I have
2: to agree with. There's, there's times I have to be desperate <laughs>
1: yeah. to, uh, to, to finish off. You, a you just got to be really in love with the router, you know, to to stay awake for the whole thing. But um, that it might might be wrong of me to say. I feel bad yes. for saying it, but
2: it, it is what it is. Right. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. And you know, and, and if you want to say it, go ahead people. You've said it before. Um Matt's basement workshop, the greatest medicine for overcoming, you know, any sleeping disorder ever. <laughs> there you
1: go. So. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to this is actually kind of old. This is from like 2 weeks ago, but I asked on Twitter and sent a few emails out because someone had emailed me. It was a 17-year-old uh, kid who wanted basically wants to be a woodworker. Gave me a little bit on his background. He says he's already got some shop experience. He's showing great potential, and he he is just wondering what's the next step. And he was asking me, you know, should I be looking at business school? Should I be looking at woodworking school? And I thought it was an excellent question, and I wasn't really even that concerned with sharing my advice on this. I wanted to know what like everyone else thought because I thought it was a very compelling thing to uh, to ponder. So. Right. Um, I basically sent it out through Twitter, and I got a bunch of responses. And I sent it over to the the folks at Pop Woodworking to see if anybody could uh, give me their point of view on it. So I, I thought I would read a few of these, and Sweet. you know, just kind of share people's perspective on this because it's interesting to see that it's on both sides, completely different opinions from a lot of people that we know and, and are you know people. Re, uh, the word I was trying to say was respect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it didn't quite come out. Dude, I'm so sorry I'm rubbing off on you. It's not fair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so Carrie, um, we all know Carrie. She does our, our little tip, uh, which we'll play later, by the way. She says, craft first, business later. You can't market skills that you don't have. That's pretty good. Good point. But let's, point. Uh, let's alternate as we go through these.
2: Okay, well, then there's Kaleo. Of course, we're all familiar with our good buddy, Kaleo. Kaleo. And he says, business first, the woodworking skill can come later. It's harder to try to run, uh, run a business without business knowledge. And and I can see that. I've seen many of doctor who, man, they're excellent doctors. But when it comes to um, businessmen, whoo, wonder
1: they're in trouble. <laughs> that's why they pay somebody else to do it.
2: That's okay, right.
1: So J.A. Woodworking says he should go to business school. The woodworking skills necessary to make a living can develop during those years in college. Okay,
2: that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Dave Knopps, who finally released a, a, an episode today. I know Dave's been extremely busy, but oh, I love did. listening to yeah, the
1: modern woodshop.
2: I love Dave's insights. He's I just, have been
1: waiting for a new episode forever. It seems like you know every every time he has an episode out, I just sit there and go, "Oh my god, I never thought of that." <laughs> <laughs> now he does. He does a good show. He actually does a really good show. He
2: does absolutely. Anyways, Dave says, "Woodworking. Master your trade first before you worry about starting a business. Without the skills, there is no business."
1: Hmm. Okay, that's a that that's true.
2: That's very contrary uh, to what um, Jay Woodworking said before.
1: That's true. That's true. I almost set it up this way. It's interesting how this is turning out. Oh, I like that. Like, tick <laughs> for tack. Kind of thing. Uh, James, he says, woodworking school, he can always marry a businesswoman. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's Good great. point. Very good point.
2: Okay. Then we have the Schwartz, and he says, I know too many woodworkers who are failures at business. I say, major in business, take night classes in advanced woodworking.
1: That's actually really good, and I got to say, um, I went to a school that was formerly a business school, and even though they had a good science program when I was there, they were still primarily business, and while I was in the lab, busting my butt every weekend, the people um, who were in business were giving the school a sort of party school reputation, so you know, not for nothing, but business is not necessarily that hard of a route to take. I'm probably going to really anger a lot of people by <laughs> saying that uh but when you compare it to uh to some of the other things you could be doing in college it's uh it's fairly easy Okay. Yeah. Well, I had a whole bunch of frat brothers
2: that were all business people. They're all marketing. And they were the reason why I had to transfer schools because nobody would take me serious because I kind of got wrapped up too much <laughs> in theirs. And their philosophy was always, dude, the grades don't matter. You know what's important? The internships. That's <laughs> yeah. the only thing that matters.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So we got another one from, and this is from Megan Fitzpatrick. If you guys know her, she's the lady who likes to jump on workbenches and drill holes in wood. as per the recent videos uh, from Pop Woodworking. Uh, She says, I'm likely the wrong person to respond as I love the academic setting, but were I 17, talented, and wanting a future in practical woodworking business, I'd probably look at the Rhode Island School of Design or the University of uh, Cincinnati's Design, Art, and Architecture program where they teach both design and business practices.
2: That's a good point too. I love everybody's point. I'm I'm horrible about that because I see all sides. Yeah, that's right. Oh no, that's
1: not. (laughs) You just keep going back from one side to the other. I mean, clearly there's no real right answer here, but it's uh, definitely some interesting perspective. Um, Glenn gave me the longest. Glenn Huey gave me the longest answer of all. If uh, if you want to go ahead and at least skim through that, we don't have to read the whole thing if you don't want to.
2: Okay, so I'm like looking at it going. Oh my, that's God. that's a lot of text, right? The rest of the time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He says, uh, I believe you'll see a reflection of my character, in my answer. Okay. Let's see. Uh, uh, of course, he says that's not right for everyone, but here goes anyways. Assuming that he's decided he definitely wants to be self employed, which of course is not for everyone. Then he must decide between the schools, or should he? And then he kind of goes on to say, "There's no better way to learn woodworking, especially if he has the talent for for the work, than to allow the experience to be your teacher." Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, he said he learned more about woodworking by building projects uh, and working in the shop itself. Um, Glenn says he could easily rule out uh, business school due to the multitude of accounting, bookkeeping, and business programs that are available for the computer. That's a, that's a really good point because that's that's how we run my wife's business, and hopefully the IRS isn't listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait till you get the audit, then you'll be like, "What were we thinking?"
2: <laughs> I told you we should have just paid the money for that. <laughs> uh, and he says, so "Of course, uh, if 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 this uh, young guy's business does grow large enough, you know, th- those type of concerns, anyways, are something that can be turned over to others, anyhow." Right. Um, as for degreed woodworking schools, uh, he doesn't think that the programs progress as fast as they should. And many of the schools teach methods that are not practical in real world solutions or in real real world situations. So his suggestion would be to attend schools that work with instructors like in, cases, in long, week long cases and work on week long for deferred classes. Right oh, I got too much water in that last drink I had there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, basically his whole thing is that you're better off going in, starting to make money, start to build your client base, and he sees it almost as wasting valuable time if you're, if you're in there learning business stuff that you may likely be passing off to somebody else in the future anyway. So right. you're better off learning and building and getting your client base going uh, before you even have to worry about all that other stuff. So that's, that's definitely a very interesting way to look at it.
2: Yeah, I think he did a really good job of wrapping everybody else's up in there and kind mm-hmm. of like, well, you could do this, you could do that, but this, 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 and this. Right. So I think Glenn made some really good points. Um, So I, I go with Glenn.
1: Yeah, Glenn had yeah. a good answer. Okay, so that pretty much is that. Thanks, everybody, for your responses. That was, like I said, very interesting to think about. And we wanted to finish up because we kind of keep pushing this off. We Remember we were reviewing the websites before, talking about the different magazines, websites, and the features that they had. We had two more that we wanted to do: Wood Magazine and Woodworkers Journal. So, if you want to just uh, rip through some of these features here, so we can, um, you know, make sure everybody knows what they offer. Uh, if you want to hit Wood Magazine, and I'll take uh, Woodworkers Journal.
2: Absolutely. Now, this Wood Wood Magazine, of course, is Wood. This is the one with all capital letters at the top. Don't confuse it with Wood Magazine. This is Wood, and the neat thing about what they have over there are they have user-generated videos. Uh they have how to videos from the magazine editors themselves, so you get a good mixture of the people who are coming to visit the site and then also the people who run the site i think I think that's pretty neat because you can get mm-hmm. a real good play off of each other with that sure uh they also have free tool demos, which is always neat because when it comes down to it as tools come out, I mean a lot of times you're like, "Do I need it? Would I use it? How do you use it that's the big one so it's really neat when you find videos like that yeah um they have over one hundred pay per download titles. Um, they have forums, they have a free new, uh, weekly newsletter, which apparently has no sales pitches in it. I think is one of the things they were talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's also more than 100 or excuse me, 1,000 woodworking plans, uh, for sale in the wood store. And of course, one thing I, I really like about, um, many of the websites is the fact that they have a really comprehensive index of just about every article that has appeared in wood magazine. And that's really great because there's been times that I'm like what magazine was that article in? Because I remember seeing something, or if I'm just looking for something in general, right. if they have a really good article index, um, they'll have me coming back visiting all the time. Yeah, that, so I that, think that's those, an that's,
1: important feature, definitely. Yeah. Okay, Woodworker's Journal. I got some information here from Rob Johnstone, editor-in-chief. Dun-dun-dun. That means you have to take him seriously. Okay, uh, Rob's got a good sense of humor, so I can mess with him. Uh, he, basically, he just laid out some of the main parts of their website, and there's a lot there. I mean, if you go to woodworkersjournal.com, there is a lot going on on that website for show. Sure. So yeah,
2: you get lost pretty easily.
1: Yeah, so in addition to, of course, the homepage, they have an e-zine. So it's basically an online woodworking magazine that's emailed out every two weeks. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes where you can go see a actual version of that on the website. And I am subscribed to this and it is very good. There's also uh, two other sites that we might be interested in, he says, uh, womeninwoodworking.com. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Wait. (laughs) I'm thinking, ooh, that sounds pretty nice. And then I went there and realized it's just a woodworking site. Um, Yeah, so get free woodworking plans via email at freeplans.com. Now, that was interesting. I didn't even know about it, but apparently it's this no-catches sort of you sign up, you give them your email address, and every I think it's like every week or something like that or once a month. They send you a full set of plans via email just for signing up. So you can definitely check that out because, I mean, who knows what they're going to wind up uh, throwing at you. You could find something great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. so he says, in addition to these websites, they also offer a fully digital version of the print magazine with supplemental digital content, which is fantastic. Of, Of course, there's also a store section where they sell back issues, downloadable digital plans, books, and CDs, and of course, the journal is also a. Uh, they have a blog page where Chris Marshall is the main blogger, but all the staff at one point or another use it from time to time to uh, to post blog posts and things like that. So, definitely something worth checking out. And they're, they're are they owned by Rockler? I know they're completely like they're sort of associated with Rockler, but is Rockler the parent company of the magazine? I haven't been able to figure that out either. I know, yeah, I know that there's a very close a close
2: connection in there
1: so yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah. i'm curious someone probably knows and will let us know yeah I'll, let me look through my magazine okay nope, no answer there okay. <laughs> okay all right so let's uh jump into a couple of sweet deals by the way people we have a pretty good size show here today so settle in grab a cup of coffee because we'll be here for a while and of course i know everybody's waiting for tom's tips so that's why that's that at the, uh, at the end <laughs> yeah,
2: okay, we like to keep you there waiting and keep waiting. In suspense.
1: <laughs> All right, so sweet deals. Um, let's All see. Right. You know what? Let me let me take this first one here because um, yeah. that that's uh, Eagle America one. Okay. Free super saver shipping. That's always a fun thing to say. On see, that three times fast. <laughs> yeah, on any size order for Wood Talk Online listeners only. That means you people. And you have to use the promo code WoodTalk61. It's all going to be in the show notes in case you don't want to write it down. But use that at checkout and you'll get, uh, you have to select free shipping as your shipping method and it is valid through eleven nine of 2009. So jump on that, let Eagle America know that they're awesome and thank them for giving us free shipping. Uh, we always appreciate when they give us special deals. Yeah,
2: Definitely. Uh let's see here. Now uh, this one I, I just ran out real quick to see if I could add a little something extra to this section. And I found over at Woodcraft they have uh twenty percent off sorby turning tools. So mm. if you're a turner, you're looking for some tools. I got twenty five twenty percent off. I almost gave an extra five. I wouldn't like that.
1: <laughs> I don't think they'd <laughs> <I'd> appreciate <laughs> like, that very
2: much. <laughs> yeah, the listeners would love it, but uh Woodcraft would be like, um, hey, you know that deal we have. Yeah. Which we don't have a deal, so I wouldn't have to worry <laughs> too much about it. All right. Uh so 20% off uh sorby turning tools at Woodcraft.com and Since we're in the realm of uh, turning as it is, apparently they also have free shipping on all jet lathes now through November 1st. So, you know what? If you don't have uh, uh, any lathe, but you want to get some turning tools, you can save money either way.
1: Sweet. That's actually pretty cool. Okay. So, it came from the forum, quickly becoming (laughs) a (laughs) a favorite of everybody. Let's jump into that. I found a really cool post that I think people will be interested in. Left tilt or right? So, wait? like, I'm refinishing this table. my dry. Oh, I post a picture. This glue turned my hands blue. It came from the forum. Yes, I love that. All right, so from the forum this week, what we have is a post in the community forum. I'll put the link up for that. By and I'm going to really mess up this dude's name. G i t a r r e is that Gitarre or jitterie? Jitterie. Jatare Hacken? Okay, so I apologize for completely screwing up your name. But I think
2: they're deliberately picking names that they know that there's no way in the world they can pronounce, like Richard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, that's actually, it's a very cool name, but just hard to pronounce. Okay, so this is all about winter woodworking, and I know this isn't that big of a deal for, for someone like me, but for pretty much everybody else in the chat room, it probably is. Uh, he says, I live in Ohio, and wood- the woodworking season is about over because my shop is a non-heated garage. I'm a beginner and wondered if it's possible to do some woodworking in cold temperatures. I assume any type of glue-ups and finishing needs to be done in a warm environment, but what about running power tools in 20-degree weather? And there were a couple responses, and I'll just uh, give some highlights there. Nate from Nate's Woodworks says that the tools should be no problem. If it gets really cold, the the belts will get stiff and cause some vibration and different noises, just like your car, just something to expect. The main thing to worry about is the medium itself. Wood, when it freezes, stops all expansion and contraction. If you build a project and the wood was at a higher moisture content when it froze and you have panels or a tabletop, well, that could be a disaster. If the panel contracts a lot, you could end up with the dreaded rattling panel. If it's a tabletop, uh, let's see, if a tabletop is the project, warping and twisting could happen. So definitely some things to be concerned about and very good points from Nate. Uh, Paul Marcel, who is a fellow uh, man of the valley like me, says that he usually just toughs it out. (laughs) <laughs> which yeah you, know. you guys have got a really hard
2: down there <laughs> he goes
1: and he posts a picture he says just to um he says and before someone points out that i'm in the phoenix area i do have a picture from last winter and he does and his um the thermometer is pointing to a chilly bone chilling 45 degrees <laughs>
2: is that celsius or fahrenheit <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so 45 fahrenheit and uh yeah it gets a little chilly but man i am not going to complain especially after the summer i'll deal with a little bit of cold
2: Oh no, I have to go put on a long sleeve shirt. (laughs) Right.
1: So, um, there's also some topics uh, people brought up, points like heating options, insulation, and a bunch of other things. So, uh, head over there and and add your comments because a lot of people are going to want to know. So, you know, we have a lot of new woodworkers. This may be their first winter that they're going through, and they don't necessarily want to hang up their apron and and come back in April. Um, So, what do they do? Uh, we had one other thing, and I, th- I thought this was the best response. Uh, Aggie83, he says, I hear that freezing cold cast iron tastes like chocolate. Confirm or deny? Double dog dare you. Well, <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to lick it first, and we'll see. <laughs> so that's awesome. Anyway, Christmas story. Uh, it,
2: it, for confirmation, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not taste like chocolate. It, it tastes like peanut butter. It tastes
1: like wax. <laughs> okay. All right, so we actually have a voicemail here Okay. that I would like to play. I would like to play it for you now. And Wait, it's, uh, well, uh, um, is it Roberto? What a good guess. And uh, R- Roberto, if we, if we didn't have Roberto, we wouldn't have voicemails. I could tell you that much.
2: That's right. He's memorized the number by now. <laughs> right.
1: All right, let's hear from Roberto. Hey, guys, what's up? It's uh, Roberto from New Mexico. I have a Jet JJP-12 joiner-planer combination machine. Had it for about a year. Works awesome but I can see that uh, the blades are starting to get a little dull. I'm just wondering, should I sharpen them or just replace them? What's more economical? And if I do sharpen them, I've seen that they have this little honing, I guess, jig that you can sharpen them right on the machine without removing the, the blades. Let me know. Okay, so question about sharpening his knives or replacing them. Now, first of all, before I go any further, maybe it's just me, but the thought of trying to sharpen the blades right on the jointer is poo poo. Yeah. I don't think it makes much sense. I don't think you can get really good results. Someone, you know, maybe someone has, but I, I would say that the average person is going to ruin their jointer knives if they try to sharpen them themselves. And I, I honestly, this is a 12 inch blade, these knives on this uh, this jet unit. We're not talking like little six inchers. So to get the type of accuracy that you need to sharpen that properly, in your shop, I just don't think that most of us have the ability to do that or the right equipment to do it so first of all i would I would never even attempt it myself
2: yeah no i'm I'm right there with you i i you know I bought one of those little like honing guide thingies to to do on my blades, and it's only six inches, and I looked at that and I'm like, nah, I'm just gonna buy new <laughs> there's yeah. just i I'm not comfortable with it either You with with my thickness planer, I have a a little uh, thirteen inch the the rigid portable lunchbox Mm. one. Okay, and and that particular one, I mean, there's no way to really sharpen the blades. I mean, you can, but it's they're really kind of iffy. It's more or less they're disposable, so there's just no getting around it. So that's for me that that's a no brainer. Right, toss them and throw in new. Unfortunately,
1: yeah. Well, sometimes that's a little bit easier, you know, just to get brand new blades. But in this particular case. These blades can be sharpened. Now, sometimes these planers come with disposable blades, and the the point is to use them and then throw them away. Uh, right. this one in particular is able they are able to be sharpened. Now, I did a little homework on this, and excuse me, <clears throat> trying to avoid burping in everyone's ear. <laughs>
2: yeah, the heck out we'll get the other deck.
1: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so if anybody has any input on this, leave us a comment in the show notes if it's you know something different than what I'm gonna recommend. But here's what I found out. Now I looked around. If you find the knives that are basically like the replacement part, uh, it has sort of bears the replacement part number from jet, they mm-hmm. are expensive, 129 bucks for three blades. Ooh, ouch! Yeah, so that that's pretty damn pricey. So if that yeah. was the price you were going to pay, I would say absolutely, dude, definitely get them sharpened because that's expensive. Now here's the thing: that's the ones that you get from Jet or from another dealer selling the Jet product. But here's the thing: if I'm not mistaken, the blades that are in there, those knives are just regular twelve-inch, uh, eighth-inch thick by one-inch wide blades. Which means you should pretty much be able to buy just about any um, blade on the market that's sized that way and get a, re- a replacement set. And those sets I've seen out there for as low as you know twenty-five to thirty dollars. So, what I would recommend is doing a little bit more homework, you know, looking into the different uh, manufacturers of these blades, look at some reviews, talk to some people who who've had to go through this, maybe ask in a forum to get recommendations. but it seems like the 129 you're just paying because that's like directly from the manufacturer. When the reality is you could probably get a decent set for 40 bucks, 50 bucks, and be perfectly happy. So now right. the question is, should he sharpen or should he buy? So the problem, the real problem here is we've got a huge price discrepancy. We don't really know which one's the real price. So the best I could do is tell you the place that I send my stuff to be sharpened is Forest, the, the company that makes the blades. They also have an excellent sharpening service. I saw on their website 70 cents per inch in length for planer blades so a twelve inch, uh, twelve inch blade, three of them is thirty six times uh, seventy cents is basically twenty five dollars. Yep. And then of course you got to add in your shipping. So at twenty five bucks, you know, even if you were getting the cheapest blades at thirty dollars, I would be a little bit suspicious about the thirty dollar set of blades. You know, right. it might make me nervous about the overall quality. Or are they going to get dull really fast? Or are they just crap? So, given that they come with decent blades, I would say go for the sharpening uh, personally. You figure those things are not going to be all that expensive to ship out. I mean, once you stack them on top of each other, wrap some tape around them, and put them in some kind of a packaging, you know, it's not going to be too expensive to ship. So, I would think, you know, for maybe $35, $40 at the most, you could have those things sharpened, you know, perfectly and professionally. And that, that would definitely be my recommendation.
2: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you because I, you know, there's no getting around the fact that I have gone the cheap route on so many different things, and I'm beginning to learn my lessons from it. <laughs> I still have my moments there. But yeah, it, it, if you have the manufacturer ones, and really it's just a matter of just kind of touching them up or something, I mean, short of a major nick that even the, the sharpener would be like, I don't know about that. I think you might want to look at new. Yeah, Having them sharpened professionally is definitely the way to go because- sure. If you try to do it yourself, I mean, there's the jigs and everything else out there. I, I don't know. I, I really wouldn't trust something that important mm-hmm. to sharpening myself. If I can find a company that is reasonable, as you mentioned, you know, when you look at the cost comparison for the manufacturer's uh, blades, that's definitely the way to go. I, sure. I highly recommend that.
1: Yeah, and actually someone in the chat room, WakeQuest, made a good suggestion. He said just buy the $30 set. Use that as sort of your backup while you send the other ones out for sharpening.
2: That's a good point yeah I, I have a I have a backup set pretty much for that very reason it's like one of those oh, these are
1: my uh, oops I messed up blades so let's put <laughs> these on <and laughs> right okay Tom's tip time so everybody can get all excited and, and, and look at the person next to you and be like oh, i was so excited it's Tom's tip <laughs> alright here we go Tom's tips that's right I said Tom's tips I didn't say Tom's lips I said Tom's tips Hello everyone, it's Tom Iovino from Tom's Workbench and it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. Mobility is a great thing in the shop and there are dozens of mobile miter saw bases you can buy. But why drop money you could be spending on more wood when there are mobile bases out there for the taking? This time of the year, many people are ditching their old tired barbecues before they have to store them for the winter with the idea of buying new in the spring. If you remove the cooking works, and mount a plywood deck to the mobile cart Bang! Instant rolling base for your miter saw. Be sure to shim the base of so the cutting table of the miter saw is even with the side wings that used to hold the barbecue sauce, and you're in business. If you want to discover more clever, useful, or even somewhat coherent tips, check out my blog at tomsworkbench.com or visit the Wood Whisperer community at community.thewoodwhisperer.com. Dude, I want to see Tom make this monster... <laughs> Like crazy uh, just miter bench roll around dealy whacker from somebody's uh, somebody's old barbecue. That would I mean, be hilarious. Somebody, like,
2: they had a big family thing going on and they just <laughs> happened to have had the grill in the front yard. <laughs> yeah. Something over there running with it. And Tom's like, oh,
1: look what I found. Someone was throwing this away. <laughs>
2: With my luck, since I'm I'm such a short person, I could probably get away with like one of those mechanics creepers (laughs) underneath the car.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, know, the other thing is, really, it could be dual purpose. You could you could have food there while you're woodworking, or you could just use the miter saw to cut the meat. You know, right as you're ready to serve it.
2: There you go. It'd be the best way to get those ribs that are too long because the kids don't want that big a piece. Cut them right in half. You're all set there.
1: (laughs) Oh man, that's a good tip, but very funny. All right, speaking of good tips and very funny, the village carpenter has has uh, blessed us with another one of her jewels. Oh, nice. I'm by that by that I mean tip.
0: Tonight I'd like to talk about our favorite person in the whole world, the dentist. What are some things that come to mind when we think of the dentist? Well, there's drilling, braces, teeth, picks, files, scrapers, and veneer. That's right, we think of woodworking and tools. You know all those implements of torture the dentist sticks in your mouth, the ones that make you cry like a little girl? Those things make great tools for detail work. Think of cleaning up the bottom of a tiny channel for inlay, getting into nooks and crannies, and those hard to reach places. So how do you get a hold of these tools? Just ask your dentist. Chances are he has some that he's planning to toss, maybe some that are slightly damaged, but that you can shape into a useful tool. You can also check with dental supply companies for throwaways, or just buy them. You'd be surprised how inexpensive instruments of pain cost. Now here's another dental term you'll want to know, antiseptic. That's right, if you get tools of the used persuasion, for heaven's sake, disinfect them. And like a fat girl in a dodgeball game, I'm out. Okay, two things.
1: If it was in someone else's mouth, it's not going to my shop. That's rule number one. (laughs) That's just that's written on the wall inside my shop. And uh, you know, fat girls just are not good at dodgeball. <laughs> i'm not afraid to admit that
2: um yeah okay <laughs> i didn't give you I'm, much
1: to say on that one
2: no i, I am completely <laughs> i was trying to come up with something and then no i lost me
1: <laughs> on <that> <laughs> i'm really uh cruising for a bruise in here um yeah oh, you know no. i think it's an excellent tip in fact when i went to uh what's his name's uh, class last year um uh, daryl Peart. When I went to his class, he was recommending dental tools and I think uh, that's what we wound up using to clean out the really, really, really tiny square holes that we would do for some of the, the, the green and green pegs. There's really, I mean, there's not many tools that we have in the shop that are like equipped to do that and angle in there just the right way and dental picks were perfect. They worked really well. Um, so I've you know said, oh yeah, I should get some of those and I just I've never actually have but I think I'll be buying mine brand new.
2: You know, I could see myself like standing over the wood going, Is it safe? Is it safe? Cherry, <laughs> is it safe?
1: <laughs> yeah. So that that's a very, very cool tip. And uh thanks a lot to Carrie and Tom for giving us the goods. Always appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I and I think Carrie is starting to surpass Tom. There's
2: quite a bit out there. Keeps a lot of people are asking for more of Carrie, so uh well you know what, gotcha. with any
1: luck, with any luck, they will both keep providing us with, with clips because uh, there's room enough for everybody. In fact, if, right. if there's hey. an, someone else out there who's inspired to send us a tip, um, you know, don't worry about music or anything, I take care of that, but if you've got something cool to say, send me an MP3, we'd be more than happy to play it. Absolutely, and of course we're going to put it at the end because we want to drag it out to make sure everybody's got to stay. <laughs> everybody just stays <laughs> for the segments, not for us. So, All right, if you want to close it out, I think we are just about done here. Wow, this one actually went pretty well.
2: So anyways, if you have heard something today or, again, if you haven't heard something and you want to tell us what's going on, have a question for us, make a comment, all that good stuff. Hopefully it's constructive criticism <laughs> and not hurtful criticism because I am a sensitive person, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. um, but you can drop us an email at woodtalkonline@gmail.com. At Or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message like Roberto does every single week. And that is at 623-242-2450. And Roberto, I look forward to hearing from you next week because... Or the next episode, I should say, because it's just not an episode without
1: beer. It isn't. It isn't. It's like a day without sunshine. It is. Okay. Well, that's all we have. If um, if you guys are in the chat room, stick around because it is going to be the Adult Swim where we all um, consume massive quantities of sugar and say bad words. So right, it's going to be a lot Nobody. of fun. Excuse me. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you in a couple of weeks. That's right. Take care, everyone. Toodaloo. All right. We're done.